Hey, Sales Lift Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have Drew Bickers on the podcast. Hey, Drew, how's it going? Good, man. How's it going, Tyler? Doing great. It's great to chat with a fellow Clemson Tiger fan. We were just talking about the NFL draft, excited about all of uh, Clemson's success. But today, we are going to actually talk about sales and specifically sales coaching on the podcast. Drew is a VP of sales here in, in the United States and North America. And he's very passionate about coaching and the impact it's had on his career. So what does coaching really mean to you, Drew? Well, it's probably one of the toughest topics to tackle because it's this vast discussion, a vague discussion. There's so much information out there. There's so many books written about it. Everybody thinks they're a coach. Everybody wants to be a coach, but I don't think you're a coach unless somebody else calls you that. Hmm. You're not a leader unless somebody else calls you that. You can put it in your LinkedIn, you can put it on your title, but until somebody recognizes you as, as that and the value that you consider in coaching leadership. So yeah, I'm passionate about coaching, but even more specifically coaching coaches at the moment, because I think they get left out the most in most business organizations. Interesting. Yeah. And that is a unique topic of coaching the coaches. We talk about like enabling middle managers or new sales managers to succeed what does that look like? Do organizations need to coach the coaches? Probably more so than just the reps or the entry-level sole contributors. There's enough material out there. There's enough books. There's enough courses, whether you find it on LinkedIn or you Google it or on YouTube or you go pick up a book. There's plenty of material for entry-level people getting started, whether you're an SDR, whether you're a new marketing person, whether you're new at any sort of role, that's where the majority of the material goes. And and rightfully so, they're trying to build a foundation they've created and the atmosphere that they want to bring you up in. But then a lot of times people make it to that next level. And there's this assumption that they're just going to be great and flawless at that job too, because they did really good in their entry level role. And we stop paying enough attention to them. And also because their leader, who's either in a director, VP, presidential role, executive type role, has got so much going on, so many expectations of them, they just either make the assumption or they put a ton of trust into that individual. And by the time they fail, it's too late and you've ruined an entire team potentially or lost a tremendous amount of revenue. I see this in businesses. I see this in restaurants. I see this in churches around the country, people that I've just mentored and worked with. And it's that next step of people get lost in the shuffle and when they screw up, it is going to be a tremendous hit to your organization. Yeah, no, you bring up a great point because likely a lot of those folks who are really successful in that entry level or individual contributor role, they've never actually been maybe a leader or manager or coach themselves. What should we as organizations be doing to make that transition a little bit more seamless for those folks? So it's going to take a little bit of EQ on the, the hiring director, VP, whoever that is to go, how much are you actually going to be able to pour into that person? Really take a hard look at their strengths and their weaknesses. And if their deficiencies are something that you can honestly coach, then great, bring them up and put a plan where you will be coaching those deficiencies. If there are things that you can't, you need to look outward on, do you have a peers or somebody else in this organization? Is there a management program that you can put them in? Is there somebody that you can outsource to support them and helping them think about how they can be a better manager and a better leader themselves 
And then there's going to be just those daily or weekly check-ins as well. We forget to inspect what we expect. There's these expectations that you're going to be incredible, but there needs to be some very specific expectations that you check in and you should be a really, really good listener. But to be a really good listener, you got to be a really good question asker. <laughs> so you've got to be able to tee yourself up to listen for what is important and really dig into to their daily life as well. I mean, just as a good sales leader, a sales manager, kind of that first line manager, they're going to be asking questions about the deal. Why do you think this is going to close this month? Why do you think they're going to buy our product? Why would they not buy our product? What objections have you got into with them? When I'm talking to sales coaches or sales managers, I'm like, why do they think that they're going to do that? What's going on in their head? What type of one-on-ones are you having with them? Where are they going to fail this month? Where's the weaknesses on your team? Where's the strengths that we can double down on? What's going on in your head? Where are you failing? And just really, really try to penetrate their psyche and understand what's driving them and where they could be strong and where they could fail. Yeah, you bring up a great point there that as a great coach, you need to be great at asking questions. And I guess having the ability to active listen and shut up sometimes. Is that a skill that you think you can develop or be taught? How did you learn how to do that? Ask great questions because that's what's needed in a great coach. I had to be reminded of it when I got a coach because I'm a very type A person. I was the typical sales rep that moved into a sales manager. And I just assumed all my reps would listen to my way. And I remember my first team of five sales reps, they are completely different people. And I had to learn to coach in very, very different ways. They weren't just going to do it the way that I did to transition into that role or to be successful. And so there was some reminding of a coach that I had at the time of asking questions to get to a win and asking questions to get to a failure is just as important. How is this going to fail? How is this going to disrupt? Why are you going to suck at whatever you're doing today? And really dig into that. I wasn't a good questioner and I wasn't a good listener. But being reminded of that kind of gave me the EQ and the humbleness that I needed at that moment, being humbled so that I could be a better leader later on. And as I progressed and grew, and unfortunately, so many people get past that level into a director or a VP and then into an executive role. And they didn't have that punch in the gut along the way. And so I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this is how can people actually understand that they're failing their team? And the problem is that the reason that they don't know is they've never considered it and they've never been told that they're failing anywhere. And once you get to that higher level, you've got less accountability, less people coaching you or telling you, and it becomes much, much more difficult to have that level of EQ. So the punch in the gut along the way is really good. You got to chase accountability early and often versus hoping that accountability finds you the right way later on. Would you recommend that new managers, new coaches, do they need to go try to find that accountability within the organization themselves? Or should the organization, you brought up like hiring like an outsourced third-party coach to help to nurture some of those coaching skills. Do you think it's better for the company to give that new manager someone like that? Or what have you seen success with? Every new manager and every person hiring a new manager or promoting a new manager just to assume that they're going to get it wrong. Okay. They're going to get it wrong at some point. They're going to fail somewhere. That's life. Get it. So what is your plan? What is your resolve for when they do that? And how do you get ahead of the game so that when they do fail, it's a lesser of a blow to the organization? Because here's the other thing. 
you just promoted one of your top sellers. So you've lost that person. And when they fail at management, now they know that they need to be a manager. It looks good on their resume. They're going to go somewhere else and be a manager. Yep. And you just lost that talent in your organization. Very few people want to go back into being a great sales rep after failing at management. It's a huge hit to their ego. So how do you coach them along the way to help them get wins, get them the confidence, and then still understand their deficiencies, weaknesses, and failures along the way so that they can be coached appropriately? And if you just assume that you're going to get it wrong and you talk about it, like, look, I'm hiring you, Tyler, to be my next sales manager. You were the best sales rep in the world. You're going to suck at something this month and this year. And these are a couple of things that I think we should be looking at right now to avoid that. It makes it a lot easier to have that discussion now than waiting six months or 12 months down the line and go, and this isn't really working out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but uh, now you're on a pit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no scarier place to be, especially as a new manager, where you're used to being that individual contributor, you're in control, you're the one busting out the number, and now you've got a team of people that you likely are going to use that fear and anxiety and push it onto them, which is never going to end up being good coaching or good leadership. It'll be coming from a place of fear and your team will smell that, right? Your team will understand that. And we've all been there working for that sales manager who's under the gun and you can feel it. They can probably even feel it. And it's just never a productive situation. It's always one that seems forced. So I think a lot of people forget to be vulnerable. And I had one of the best bosses at my last organization. I got a good boss now too, but I worked with the last guy for about 10 years and reported directly to him. And so we built this relationship where I think we were 100% vulnerable with each other. Mm -hmm. And that came over time. But I think if you could do that quicker and more often and early with, with wherever you are, that you're going to get the honest answers that you need. And you're going to give the honest responses that you need to give in management as well. And we, a lot of managers, they forget to be vulnerable with their staff and with their team. So when I'm stressed out, instead of me going, hey, Hey, ma'am, where are we with that of that deal? Hey, Jimmy, what's going on with that opportunity? What's going on? Look, hey, the numbers are not where they are. I'm a little stressed, okay? <laughs> yeah. And smile about it yeah. and, and then go along with it. Like, look, let, let's have a real conversation. The numbers aren't where they need to be. My numbers aren't where they are. Yours are not where they are. And we need to talk about how we can get to, to this level versus just looking terrified. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that honesty and that EQ that you keep bringing up and that disarming the situation a little bit, knowing that, hey, we aren't where we want to be. But that can at least everyone can breathe easy, knowing that the cat's out of the bag, if you will, there. And now we can have a more honest and upfront discussion. But it sounds like you think that starts with someone, an executive or a director, having that kind of a relationship with that frontline sales manager first to show them Absolutely. an example of what's good. And then they could perhaps pass that along to their team. They need to start it early. And that level of vulnerability comes with people that only have the right amount of EQ. And it's okay to be afraid and be scared of future outcomes. Be open and honest about what you're trying to do. It's the same thing in sales. So many people in sales try to be clever. I'm like, stop being clever. I know what you're doing. The LinkedIn approach that you're taking, 25 other competitors have tried that on me this week. I don't want to buy your prospect list. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to buy this, that, or the other. Just tell me what it is. I always had the approach in sales and my honesty got me in trouble plenty of times too, but it worked in a lot of cases. If I have a conversation with a customer, I'm sitting down with them. I'm like, look, I'm in sales. My job is to sell you something, mm -hmm. this widget, this piece of software. I want you to buy as much of it. And I want you to spend as much of it on you as you can, because that makes me money. Yep. But of course, the whole reason you're going to do that is if, my product solves your problem. Yep. I'm able to alleviate whatever pain you're in right now. 
but it gets that out of the way of, is this guy a sleazy salesperson? Can I trust him? And that level of honesty worked for me a hundred percent of the time. And I think we're trying to overcome that a lot in sales, right? This negative perception and connotation of who the typical sales rep is and what their goals and motives are. And they don't care about me. They're just in it for themselves. We're always trying to overcome that. You've brought up this idea of EQ. It seems like EQ is, is pivotal to this process, having a high EQ. How can we develop that individually as well as develop that in our direct reports, like that executive developing high EQ in their frontline sales managers? So most people that get into kind of management or even that have been successful in sales are not 100% conscious of their flaws yet. They tend to lean towards the positive piece, which is fine, and they go after it all the way. But then you're going to move them into management or move them along, and they're going to hit their first failure. And you as a company are going to be responsible for it, and you're going to have to go through that. So when I'm interviewing people, whether it's a sales rep or a sales manager for whatever it is, I'm like, talk to me about some of your worst failures. Mm -hmm. And every now and then I get a rep that's like, I haven't failed. And I'm like, you're not coming (laughs) over here and failing first. So either one, you're a liar or two, I'm going to have to deal with your first big failure. Yeah. So talk to me about your failure. And if they can just own up to it, that's great. Okay. Now, how did you get through it? What was the process? Or did you do you just have this one failure that is a massive lesson for you now? It doesn't have to be a failure at a specific sale. It could be at managing somebody else. It could be losing a specific deal. It could be letting a customer down. What did you do? I've got a list from here to South America on my failures. And I can talk about how they got me to be a better person, a better leader, a better coach, a better spouse, a better dad all of these things that I want the people that I'm hiring to have an understanding and an awareness in being conscious of their failures. It lets me know that they're actively looking to better themselves versus waiting on somebody else to tell. And do you think, I guess that's hard for, especially folks earlier on in their career, either A, they don't want to admit that they have flaws or have had big failures and B, it's just, it might be a hard conversation for them to have. How do you create that environment where they feel comfortable doing it? Or is it just, they either come in with it or not? Like you try to suss that out in the interview process tell me about that. And then if if you're not thrilled with their responses or answers, that's just not someone you bring on the team to begin with. So as a sales manager that's hiring people or as a sales director that's hiring managers, I don't try to be clever in my questioning either. Because what you do is is you put them up in a place where they're going to lie or they're going to make something up. And I try to make it as inviting as possible so that they're comfortable and I get the most honest answer from them from the get-go and throughout the interviewing process. It doesn't mean I'm going to hire them, but I can get very, very good, honest answers from people by putting them in a comfortable spot. When you're comfortable, you're willing to open up a little bit. Think of it as you're on your first date. You haven't met this person, but you're asking questions back and forth. You're not really comfortable, so you're not going to talk about the time that you absolutely ruined the relationship with a previous girlfriend because of whatever you did or didn't do, you're going to talk about all the good things that you did. If you could just remove that, and one of the ways that you do that is go ahead and talk about your failures. Mm-hmm. Bring up one. And I can remember this time as a sales rep where I was on a call. I didn't know I was lying. Yeah, the, the customer asked me this specific question that was super technical. And I was like, yeah, we do that. <laughs> and he goes, really? You have no idea what I just asked you. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, I didn't. And he was like, I remember this to this day. I was like 22 years old. He's like, how uncouth. And he hung up the phone on me. Hmm. Some people are like, wow, you, you lied to a customer. I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, yeah, we do that. Just kind of was a yes, 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 kind of rhetorical. And so if I can 
give them that level of comfortability. I'm like, all right, tell me about a time you did something like that. If you in that situation lead with vulnerability, it invites them to do the same versus them feeling like they're the only one sharing. Right. Yeah. And that's difficult. That takes, like you said, that takes, it's taken a lot of years of coaching and mentorship for you where people have paid it forward and done that for you. And it sounds like some of this stuff is just finding those right people in your life, those right coaches and mentors to guide you. It sounds like you had a really instrumental one on the last decade or so that really helped to guide you. How did that relationship start? And what do you feel like you learned from it? And how do you still, how does it still impact you today? So I remember getting promoted into a sales management role and I was able to build a team up to about five people pretty quickly. And I found out pretty quickly that I was not the best manager for all of those individuals. And I was like, man, but I had a good relationship with the executives and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling here. I didn't do this. I remember one of my first interviews, I asked a kid how old he was just because I was interviewing him back and forth. This is 12 years ago, probably. I'm like, just the way he answered a couple of things. I was like, how old are you? <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's like, you can't ask me that. I'm like, what do you mean? I can't ask you that. I'm like, I know that that's a thing now, right? You can't ask how old somebody is. And it didn't get me into trouble. I remember going to my boss and I'm like, am I in trouble for this? He's like, dude, you cannot do that. And I'm like, well, no one's telling me these things. <laughs> yeah. I was like, help me out. And so they went out and found an executive business coach who is just, dude is absolutely ridiculously talented. He's retired now, but he runs just a business coaching firm for himself. And he coaches everybody from entry-level sellers up to CEOs of big corporations. And I worked with him for the next seven years and it was just super eye-opening. I got the punch in the guts that I needed to. He helped me ask better questions. He, uh, He helped me consider better scenarios. He helped me manage up as well. And it was absolutely life altering going through that. I've also had the help of my dad who retired as a president of sales at his organization. And he went through every level of sales from sales rep all the way up to president of sales. And he's the type of guy that doesn't take my side in anything. (laughs) And that's by design. I'm like, I need help here. And so he just pushes back and gives me alternate thinking around various situations that help. So I've, I've I've just been privileged to have two exceptional coaches. And so seeing what I was able to get out of that, that has given me a passion to help other sales coaches because I know that so many of them are not getting the appropriate attention that they need. But if I am able to pour into them, I can watch them elevate themselves. And I've I've promoted several sales managers to director levels and I've helped them get promoted even out of our organization into VP levels because I know I was able to pour into them and help them get to that space. Do you think that was easier for you specifically with the the sales coach, executive sales coach that was brought in? Do you think that was easier because that was someone from the outside the organization? Do you think that allowed that relationship to flourish? And if so, why? Absolutely. So he was well in tune with our business because he was coaching other executives in our organization too. Mm-hmm. So he at least had an understanding of our business and what was going on. So that helps. But it absolutely, because they're... There was no fear of retribution in anything that I said. Our discussions were not taken to the executives. It was a completely one-to-one relationship. And I was able to say anything that I wanted and he was able to say anything back to me. And that, that I think that absolutely helped. Yep. So it, it gives you different perspective. That, that outside perspective often looks at things from a completely different light. But that doesn't remove my direct management from coaching. They still coached as well. And we still had our one-to-ones every week. We had our executive meetings and conversations around the business and how I was doing. 
but it also helped me in those moments and those meetings, having that external resource to support me. So what other pieces of advice have we not discussed yet around coaching and specifically coaching new coaches? What else would you want our listeners to know or understand that we haven't touched on yet, Drew? I mean, I feel like we talked that failing's okay and being honest and vulnerable early and often will help you with that level of vulnerability that's needed to have a relationship upwards and downwards to progressing and moving yourself into a successful business manager or coach yourself. And I would just continue to push and press on that piece right there and just know you're going to fail at something. And if you're a leader listening to this, you may not be leading your sales coaches the right way. Open up to that level of vulnerability so that you can have that fluid up and down conversation that puts you into a better space. Awesome. Yep. Drew, if my listeners want to find you online, how can they do so? Sure. Two places. You can find me on LinkedIn, Andrew Bickers. You can also look up hashtag culture bust. I, I hashtag that for a lot of the videos and coaching material that I put out there. Perfect. You can also find me on YouTube with culture bust podcast as well. All right. Perfect. Yeah. We'll, and we'll link to those in the show notes. So definitely connect with Drew online, especially if you have any questions related to coaching. Drew, thanks so much for coming on. Had a blast. I look forward to doing it again soon sometime. Tyler, this is great. Thanks for the invite. All right. Sounds good. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas, plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.